Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Everyone and welcome to this brand new spoiler review episode for car for Picard brought to you by the Geek Buddies. There we go. Engage. Let's make it happen. We got a lot of stuff to get into here, Mike, today. This was a hell of an episode here. Surrender, uh, you know, a lot of connotations to that term as well. We're jumping into so much that happened here. Uh, revealed, we got the reunion of the entire Next Generation cast at the end of this episode, which is really good. We got a little bit more of the mystery behind Jack using his powers. And for now, because to me, no one is ever really dead. We lost uh, Vatic, Captain Vatic here at the end of the episode, but this was quite an interesting episode. Finally, everybody coming together as we go into the uh, finale of the season here coming up soon. So a lot happened in this. We're going to break it on down uh, in this spoiler review. So if you haven't seen the episode, go and watch the episode, then come on and hang out here with us. It's in the title, so don't get mad. Spoiler review is all over the title. So if you have anything spoiled with you ahead of time, I hate to break it to you. That's where we're coming from. But let's introduce ourselves. I'm the outlaw, John Roca, joined as always by this man here for these reviews. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And where we like to start usually when we jump into these episodes is the overall thoughts. Mike, I already laid out most of what happens here in this episode. Data, data versus lore. Uh, we also see a little bit more here with uh, Seven of Nine. Uh, and what she wants to do in terms of taking control of a ship and being a captain of a ship and the sacrifices, her and Shaw have it back and forth. What do you think overall of this incredible episode of Star Trek Picard? Uh, I think this was the first one that was a big letdown for me. Really? Wow. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, it was amazing. Ah, <laughs> no, it was fucking oh. awesome. Uh, no, it was amazing. It was great. I actually, I, I got to give this, like the thing that I thought the most, <laughs> you bought it, didn't you? Did you bought it a little bit. No, no, sir. No, sir. This was fucking badass. Um, I think the best thing about this episode, I mean, there's a lot of great things about this episode. It was just firing on all cylinders, but we knew based on the trailers from the very get-go that we were going to get this moment of the whole next generation crew together. Like they, yeah, like we, yeah. we knew they were coming together at some point. Yes. But they didn't come together till episode eight. And it's the best thing about this series oh. because what they did is they gave every single individual, one of these characters, 
their yeah. moment to shine in this season before we got to that moment. Yeah. So even though we're all big fans, we're Trekkies, we love Star Trek, we love Next Generation, we want to see them together. Had yeah. they just thrown them together in episode one and said, okay, this is the adventure, we would have been, okay, that's great. But starting right off the bat with Beverly Crusher in episode one, yeah. then having all that time with Picard and Riker together, just being Picard and Riker, yeah. then Worf working for Ro Laren, Jordy and his daughters, uh, Data having all of the issues going on inside his head with this new positronic body, right. and then having like these great Riker and Troy moments before you got everybody together. When they all came together, it's actually earned. Like yeah. this show yeah. is again, we've said it before, but this show is filled with nostalgia. It's all the Easter eggs you could want, it's all the music cues you could want, it's everything, yeah. but it's earned nostalgia and i think so much of what we have in geek culture today when we have these reboot reboots and requels and everything else that we have going on is yeah. sometimes it's not earned so we'll still get the feels but you're like eh, i mean i wish it had been better and right. everything in this season is there is no i wish this could be better this is the best that star trek gets yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, you know, getting into this uh, particular episode, I, I I was worried if maybe, you know, because when you naturally, Michael, we've been let down at times, certain episodes, certainly there've been there's been some backlash on certain seasons that are currently going on and uh, on different uh, streaming platforms and different franchises. And so there's been issues, you know, from Shadow and Bone to Mandalorian to God knows what you can name. There have been some complaints about these things. Uh, and so you go, okay, it's great. This season has been great, but you keep waiting for that moment when they trip over themselves or when they take advantage of the nostalgia or go too far. And it it hasn't, uh, for me, it has not happened yet. And this episode is yet another example of that. The way they maneuvered everything around, it had to work out, right? But you've got to make it work out in a way that is cool and fun and interesting and intelligent and all of that. And they knocked it out of the park and you still have the dread of Jack hanging over everything so they're doing the next generation stuff they're coming together i mean having Worf and deanna and Riker fall back into that old love triangle thing was really funny having data have the battle with lore i thought was really inventive and then having data outsmart lore because of course he would because love must conquer hate in the world of star trek and then having him come and do all the stuff that he does there and the changes in data so it all makes sense and without having to retcon anything like having him say yeah. Yeah, that guy in the past, he's happy sleeping, uh, having experienced death. This guy doesn't want to do that. This guy is moving forward with this crew, no matter what the future may bring. So you're seeing all these different things, and it works so well. But also, you're giving time to the crew. The fact that we got to hear the names of these crew members as, as Vatic was about to kill one of them, and then, of course, sadly did, one of my favorite ones, which I was really pissed off about, um, it was great. But getting letting Amanda Plummer have space to chew the scenery and do her thing, just so smart, play into the nostalgia, but also stay in the present with the story that you're telling. Not an easy tightrope to walk, but they've been doing it episode per episode, man. It's really fascinating to watch. It should be a lesson to anybody who wants to walk back into these worlds. This is how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. 100%. I mean, we're just going to go through as we usually do in these Picard reviews yeah. and talk about how awesome every scene is. So buckle up because we're just <laughs> going to go through and be like, this is why this scene is great. This is why this interaction was great. Holy shit. This gave me the feels. And that's, and then we're going to have a nice little, what the fuck is up with Jack Crusher conversation. So that's the spoiler for the spoiler <laughs> review that we're about to have. 
That's good. I like that. Well, let's not waste any time. Let's jump into this right now. So we start off with Vatic taking control of Titan, which is, of course, we saw her last episode. Here, last episode, she has taken over the Titan. She's on the bridge there with her changeling uh, folk. Uh, Picard is trying to retake the ship from her with using manual control. Can't seem to get through. Can't seem to figure out all the natural evidence or the natural avenues he would use aren't working. And then Jack uses his powers just randomly tra to transport himself into the eyes of one of the crew members there in the hall and he sees all the deaths before he himself is shot and va uh, uh, gets back out of that situation. Vatic threatens um, all that she can do on the bridge to everybody, to what she can do to the to the crew of the Titan, everything that she can do if they don't give her Jack Crusher, including, she says, killing one person on the bridge for every few minutes. And we go, and then we cut to the Shrike and Deanna is there dressing Riker's wounds. And people have been complaining that we haven't had Deanna Troy in more of an uh, uh, um, obvious capacity in all these episodes. Well, I think she came in at the perfect time. Her and Riker have a really fun, flirty conversation talking about his beard. She even makes fun of the word he taught her to say. And he says, I should have taught you Yantaro, which I think means large baby, large sweet, sweet baby or something like that. Anyway, she senses he has changed. And they have a fun, flirty back and forth. Um, and then she wonders if they did the right thing, giving Vatic the compromise code. So we find out that's how she got it. Uh, uh, Picard, uh, Riker gave it to her. And Riker said he just couldn't let them keep torturing De Deanna, especially because, you know, he just loves her so much. And Riker thinks Picard will figure it out, kind of like Kirk. Kirk will figure it out. He'll figure it out. Back on the Titan, Shaw and Seven discussed the ethics of her being a Starfleet officer and not blowing the turbo lift. I think a, this was an excellent back and forth between the two of them because I think she he does see her as Captain Material, which may explain why he's been harder on her. Also the Borg stuff, but also this other stuff. And them having the back and forth is so interesting because if she wants to take over a ship, and it seems to be Mike, like they're setting up the possibility of Seven of Nine becoming a captain down the road, then she's going to have to make these decisions thinking about the greater good. Yet again, that comes in. Um, uh, Vatic sends a team after Jack, and she threatens to execute one crew member, as I said, every 10 minutes. Jack wants to go, but Beverly and Picard stop him, saying that once she gets him, she's going to blow up the ship and kill everybody anyway, so don't do this. Jack says he's different. He can retake the ship by connecting to people. They doubt him. Sydney confirms it. Picard suggests using the override codex, and Jack is going to, to try to control one of the Titan crew members on the bridge. He does so. The crew member puts the code in, but Vatic catches him before he can hit that process or go a button to make it happen. Vatic then makes Ensign Kovarin Esmar and Lieutenant Matthew Arliss Mura, who was the person that uh, uh, Jack had taken over, get on their knees. Mura, she asks Mura about uh, who he loves, and he talks about his son, which connects to Picard and his son. And Vatic threatens to kill Esmar, goes around her, puts the, a blaster there to her head. She's obviously emotional about it, but then kills Lieutenant Tavine instead. And Vatic says she will do it again and again until Jack comes to the bridge. So, Mike, hell of an intro, brutal stuff. People have been kind of slightly complaining that Vatic seemed like a, a bit of a flaccid villain. Well, certainly that wasn't the case here in this particular opening and everything that happens here. And you sense the frustration from Picard, everybody else that they can't get through or can't uh, break her down. And Jack having to use his powers here that keep growing every episode to try to retake the bridge. What do you think here? Um, yeah, I mean, first off, we'll just, let's just talk about Vatic for a minute. Sure, uh, sure. If you're complaining about Vatic, calm the fuck down. <laughs> like, this is just a great, I mean, because, well, first of all, this is one of those things that's like, 
<laughs> with everything that this show is doing. Yeah. So, like I said, you know, like reintroducing every single one of our next generation characters, giving them their moment, creating yeah. this bigger threat of the in uh, all the changelings sort of taking over the Federation, yeah. knowing that there's a big bad behind Vatic that Vatic is working for, giving Vatic a whole episode to get into her origin story about how she became who she be like, like this show is doing so many things. So if you're like, I wish Vatic was chasing them more. Like, yeah, okay, you know what? Give everybody a break. Like, uh, Amanda Plummer is chewing scenery oh. better than her dad did in Undiscovered Country. Like, wow, she is just going to town. Like, <laughs> it's insane. Even, like, opening that opening shot, like, the way the shot yes. opened up of the reflection of her lighting yes. her little cigarette that kind of yeah. came through the top of the bridge. Uh, just It's just, it's really fun, interesting stuff. And... Yeah. As a villain, she's chewing up the scenery, having a great time, and moving the story forward. So, right. you know, the, I, I'm not going to say she's, like, the greatest villain in Star Trek. And so, yes, if you're comparing her to, like, Khan or the Borg Queen, like, she's she, she's not up there. So you could say, oh, I wish she was a better villain. But, like, she's top tier for Star Trek, really. Yeah. I mean, like, she's doing, she's doing the Lord's series. work. Yeah, she's doing yeah. the Lord's work. Um Really just like great setup. I mean, you know, just dive right into the action. I mean, this episode was great because you, after last episode, I don't want to say took a break because there was everything going on, mm -hmm. but you really kind of got into Vatic's backstory, how these changelings have evolved. So yeah. we kind of took a break and you just dove right into the business. Like she wants Jack. She's going to kill people. We kind of set up where everyone is. You know, uh, Sydney and Jack are with Picard and uh, and Crusher. Yeah. Uh, Jordy and what's Jordy's other daughter's name? It's Sydney oh, LaForge and yeah. Oh shit, I don't remember. Just keep going. Just other keep daughter, going. Yeah. other daughter are there with Data Lore, yeah. and you sort of so like you just sort of get the geography of everything, and then you just jump over to this Riker Troy scene, which I found to be delightful. Yeah, I mean, these two still have just this really love. I don't even want to say still have the chemistry. I Alondra. think their chemistry is better. Alondra, there you go. Yeah. Alondra, that's what I, I think. There, I think, I think Riker and Troy's chemistry is better now yeah. than it was back in the day. I mean, yeah. this whole scene with the two of them. First of all, I love that like she's over the Amzadi. Like, you know, the Amzadi was a great Easter egg when he said it the first time this season. Right, right. And you're like, oh, that's right, because that was the first thing that we heard her say to him when they when they met when Next Generation. Uh, after seeing, after not seeing each other for a while, but then when he brings up Imzadi, Imzadi again, rather than just letting that be the let's just keep repeating the Easter egg, she's like, oh, for fuck's sake, like stop saying that word. Like I wish, like it's like when your friend teaches you the one Spanish word and you're, it's the only thing you know how to say. You're like, okay, yeah. come on, like let's. Yeah. Let's pick it up. Um, and then just this lovely kind of teasing back and forth, this flirtation as they're talking about the changelings coming into the house and just this whole vibe that kind of gets into some of the things that they've dealt with as a couple and kind of yeah. what's been going on with them. Like it was just a great way to sort of catch us up on their relationship and sort of wrap up a bow around a lot of the stuff that they were dealing with. And every time we sort of cut to them, it was a great sort of down moment with yeah. all the tension and the action up high on the Titan. So I just thought it was really, really, really well handled. Yeah. Um, Back on the Titan, you know, Jack and Picard and Crusher, like, it's, again, one of the themes that Star Trek deals with a lot. Good of the many versus good of the one. Oh, Jack yes. Jack is very much, look, I'm going to sacrifice myself 
to save everybody. Like he's yeah. just ready to do it. And Picard's like, look, that's that's a false game. Like Vatic is saying what she's saying. She will absolutely. She wants you. That's all she wants. You're going to destroy the ship. So right. this good of the many, good of the one argument here. False argument. Don't do it. We need to come up with a better plan. Yeah. And then the plan they come up with, Jack's sort of like taking over an officer to, co- to put the codex in. Um, yeah. It's a great plan. Yeah. Like in other lesser shows, that would be the solution. Right. And I love when a show comes up with a really good plan and throws it under the bus right away <laughs> because it just right. raises the stakes. Like they could have tried a bunch of things and spent an entire episode of Jack trying to convince them that he could do this. Yeah. And then you have this tense moment where it works and you would have been like, that's fine. But doing all of it and having it get caught right away and being like, fuck you, the writers have to come up with something else. Like, again, just really great writing, really fun, really breakneck. And then you have that great Shaw and Seven interaction, which, again, is good of the many versus good of the one. Um, Shaw's like, you should have blown the turbo lift and let me die. And this none of this would have happened. And everything that happens after this is on you. And she's like, that's not how I roll. Yeah. And he's like, well, then this is on you. And just this re- this nice back and forth. I don't know that I fully agree with you. Okay. I don't know that Shaw sees Captain Material in her. Really? Yet. Okay. Yet. All right. I think, look, Shaw is a tough old bastard who's been having <laughs> the worst, the worst week of his life. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I don't, you know, I mean, they've, they've established pretty clearly from the get that like he's got his Borg issues. I mean, he's got his big yeah. Borg issues. Yeah. He refuses to call her seven of nine. He does it again here. Can it call he does her it all Hansen. the way through? Hansen. Does it all the way through. Like yeah. Yeah. T- says Hanson. She's like, I am seven of nine. Um, and I think that he's not right now going, I think that you're great and I'm right. going to keep pushing you to train you. Okay. I think he's like, this is what your problem is. You're just like these assholes, Picard and Riker. You guys all think you can be cowboys and run around, and this is not how Starfleet works. And I think that the arc is going to be that by the end of this, he's going to be the one that was like, I think you should be a captain. Like, I think that I think that we're going to get there, but I don't think he's there yet. Okay. Right. Um, and then, yeah, like, Vatic fucking with everybody. Yeah. Uh, to your point, they've done such a great job this season of – with very little dialogue um, and with all of the other uh, next generation characters that we've been servicing to be like, oh, we need our Geordi moment. We need our data moment. We need this. They've kind of made us fall in love with this Titan crew a little bit. I I actually am invested in these characters. These are not just Star Trek red shirts who I don't actually really care who Vatic kills. So like, when she was going down that line, I actually was like, I'm going to be a little bummed no matter who it was. Yeah. And to your point, I liked that bald Vulcan. I did. Yes. I thought she was pretty badass. I, I thought she too. was pretty neat. And so the fact that, again, in a show with all the other stuff that it's doing, I was like, oh, man, that sucked. That's yeah. a bummer. I, I felt that a little bit. I didn't feel it hard. I wasn't like weeping for her death, but like they made me feel it. So yeah. again, just everything here is, this is another thing with writing. It's like when you don't really know what you're going to do with an episode, you sort of like, okay, well, here's my solution. Let me just draw things out. Let me just stretch <laughs> everything as long as I can. Yeah. But when you are throwing everything in the kitchen sink in, like we got all this stuff and we're not even halfway through the episode. Yeah. And I'm already like, holy shit, what's going to happen next? Right. Yeah. Good points, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree with you. Uh, the, uh, her lighting the cigarette there uh, on the bridge is such a confidence and a quiet kind of just like this is I'm I'm in my zone. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. She's, 
probably for the first time in her life, she's feeling this kind of power in this moment, taking over this bridge, getting a little measure of revenge. And we're going to get to Deanna mentioning how she sensed the anger and the pain and the vengeance in Vatic there, you know, so clearly that's all coursing through her as we saw in the last episode. And that's why you needed that last episode. You've got to lay the groundwork a little bit so that when we see her death, it carries weight because we see that it's, it's tragic because she was turned into this. She was turned into this and allowed herself to be turned into this from the experiences she had being experimented on in, uh, by the Federation there on, in, in Section 31. So that's that just courses through her. And of course, it's reminiscent of, uh, of uh, Space Seed when um, uh, Khan takes over the ship, right? At any moment, I could kill you, Kirk. At any moment, I kill your crew, blah, blah, blah. So there's uh, there's connections to other Star Trek villains, as you mentioned earlier. You know, these other Star Trek villains that she uh, ha- is in a long history of, and she stands out on her own, and she really... Amanda Plumber does a phenomenal job throughout this entire episode, certainly at this beginning, just kind of just relishing what she's doing. And yes, the buildup to the death of Lieutenant Devine. Want to give credit to Stephanie Chikowski. I hope I'm saying that right, Stephanie, if you're watching this review. She plays her. She also played China in Young Rock, and I thought she did a nice job in both playing both of these characters here. But yeah, I cared about every member on the Titan. So, you know, when when they were being, those two were being put on their knees and everything like that, and then it was Tavine. And it's ironic, the Vulcan, the logical one is the one that's killed, right? It's just like, man, the one who probably would never experiment on her is the one she kills. And it's so random, but I think they also wanted that to have an effect for us as an audience. Like it had to be somebody we had seen, somebody who had stood out, somebody yeah. who had seen different so that we could feel the pain of that. Um, and so having it be her, unfortunately, it sucked, but it, it carried an emotional weight for us. And we saw that there were stakes here, that she was going to kill people. So it added uh, stuff to it, which I appreciated. Yeah, and Deanna, and I, I agree with you. The Deanna Riker stuff is great because I think a little bit of Marina Sirtis is kind of pushing through the Deanna Troy character. It seems like she's kind of become like Deanna Troy and Marina Sirtis at the same time because some of her, oh my God, I should have never taught you that word. If you've seen her at, at uh, sometimes at conventions, she can kind of tell you her truth about things. And so maybe I, she felt like, you know, I do think you are, you know what, you're, you're not wrong yeah. that uh, particularly now, like when you go back and look at old next generation and Troy was just like, yes, let's talk about <laughs> feelings. Yeah. Let's just talk about feelings. It's all fine. And now she's kind of like, yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake, Will. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, this is uh Deanna Sirtis. <laughs> Deanna Sirtis, right? Kind of like lore and data. There's the yeah, Marina I, Troy. <laughs> but I dug it. I liked it. And you know, and you're right. It's good to see a Picard in a little bit. Like he's out of sorts. Like he, all his options are gone. Like he cannot yeah. figure out what to do in the situation. And Jack has to take it upon himself. So Jack's natural instinct is to be a savior. Is to help people. Is to you know, kind of sacrifice himself. And that speaks volumes about who he is as a character. So the fact that we get that, even though he has taken over someone else and possibly that person could have been killed by Vatic because he was taken over by Jack, he was trying to save the entire ship. So, you know, no matter how much he fears that red door and whatever those voices are, his natural instinct is to help people and to save people uh, that he cares for or that he is in league with. And so there's, I think, a positive thing over that that, that comes through when you're seeing his actions um in this uh, uh situation here so um all right well let's uh, let's take a quick break michael we'll jump into the rest of the episode um right after this 
Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Let's move on. Uh, so, okay. So, so when last we left the bridge, Vatic is uh, threatening to kill a crew member every 10 minutes. Um, if Jack doesn't come up to the ship, right? Or to the bridge, Riker and Troy are back on the strike. They have a conversation about how they reacted to the death of their son, Thad, which of course was talked about in season one of Picard. They bond over having, hating living on Nepenthe. Uh, but before that, they talk about how Deanna tried to take away Will's grief out of the love she has for Will over the death of that she tried to use her, she used her powers to take some of that grief away from will and this back and forth is so fantastic right as a count even a counselor will sometimes forget the tenets of therapy because of the love she has for the person that she's with so she thought she could alleviate will's pain but in alleviating will's pain it made it harder for him to go through it it made him numb so it wasn't her fault because she was coming from a place of love but it's just what happened and i love that they had this really open and honest conversation uh that we probably wouldn't have gotten back in the 90s but in 2023 as we become more aware of mental health and all of that it was a really great conversation for them to have Anyway, they bond over hating living on Nepenthe as well. Uh, Deanna says she misses the city. She misses the Klingon coffee that she used to get and all of this stuff. And Will's like, yeah, why did we go? And they talk about woodpeckers and the loud noises and all this stuff. So then a changeling comes in and uh, uh, it looks like Wolf's, uh, War, uh, sorry, um, uh, Riker is ready to defend Deanna. But then Worf comes up from behind this changeling. My man. Kills him. And we hear the Worf theme, which is so awesome. I think Jerry Goldman did that theme. And they have a very funny reunion that echoes the triangle with uh, between them with Worf. Like, I have counted the days and the oceans and the waves and all this kind of stuff. And Riker's like, is this part of the torture, man? Are you saving us or what's going on here? So very funny amongst the three of them. And her even telling, like giving her the look, giving Riker the look to cut it out. It was so great. It reminded me of the finale of uh, Star Trek Next Generation when in the future he had he had gotten together with Deanna and Will wasn't with Deanna. That, I remember that uh, happening in one of the episodes of Star Trek in the last season, The Next Generation. Anyway, Jack wants to go back up to the bridge. Sydney lays out what needs to happen, which is multiple calculations in a concerted amount of seconds, and they don't have the ability to. Sydney says, I could do it in a year. Jordy could do it in a month, but nobody can do it in seconds right now. And Picard knows he needs to re reconnect data. Then they turn him on. Data remembers himself as Sherlock Holmes. And this is fantastic as lore talks to him i broke this is awesome they're back and forth they're in this kind of nebula memory thing with a partition between them and he is going through his memories of sherlock holmes and we see him look at a number of things here as he's reliving his memories of his time on uh, on the next generation there and so and we see that and then we cut to uh, Worf and Deanna and Riker make it onto the bridge. We see Raffi and Picard's body there. The changelings have removed sections of Picard's brain that are affected by aromatic syndrome. So essentially maybe want to find out how Jack can do the things that they, they can do and maybe put that into their own thing and create their own super soldiers in essence to be able to do this. They head to the shuttle to head back to the Titan. Back on the Titan, Jack, Jack shows up on the bridge 
uh, saying he's going to buy them time while they figure out the data situation. He shows up on the bridge with some sort of bomb. Jordy uh, uh, tells him that, tells Picard that Lore is overriding data. Lore uh, now is talking to data and telling him of his plan that he's consuming him and destroying his memories. He pulls out the memory with Denise Crosby. Holy shit, man. Denise Crosby had to make an appearance. So, so awesome to see the younger Denise Crosby there. Jack threatens to kill himself on the ship if she doesn't let everybody go on the bridge. Vatic eventually does, locks them in a room. But Seven of Nine stays behind at the last minute. And just as Michael said, uh, Shaw says, Hanson, and uh, the door is closed. Uh, and she wants to give him support in essence. Vatic says he wants, uh, she wants his gifts. She, talk about, she talks about his inability to, to escape the shadow, the loneliness, the voices, that Jack can't escape, any of this stuff. She says she can help him put the pieces together and tell him what's behind the red door. Seven of Nine reacts because she's hearing this all for the first time and freaking out probably a little bit about this. Data, now we go back to Data. Data now offers up his memories to Lore, playing poker with his friends. Uh, he, and then he shows all these things to Lore, and then Lore starts to realize something is changing. And he turns Lore's complaints against them and says, I will give you everything you uh, I have because you had nothing. And then Spot shows up. The cat shows up, Spot, uh, which I love. He gives him Spot. And with that, that's his last memory. And then Data disappears. And Jordy has an emotional reaction to this outside there. But then suddenly Lore starts to feel different and weird. And Data all of a sudden returns and reveals the error in Lore's deception tells him that you took my memories and by taking my memories, you became me and we've become one and he embraces him one last time. And <laughs> I don't want to get emotional, but he says, goodbye, brother. And then he says, goodbye, brother. And that was, man, I broke down watching that, that moment between them, just the history of door of Laura and data. It's just fantastic. And then data comes back to life, gets back to work, reestablishes the comms and then takes over the ship. Raffi kills the changelings. Jack puts himself in a force field. Uh, Picard opens the hatch, sending Vatic out, who shatters into pieces on the Shrike. And uh, um, uh, Seven of Nine and Shaw retake the Titan, and Seven destroys the Shrike. So um, let's stop there, and then we'll do the rest of the episode there. So, Mikey, a lot in this a lot in this section here with Jack coming onto the ship to try to stop Vatic killing people with data and data and lore going at it, data's memories on all this stuff, Deanna and Riker talking about the memories of Thad and how she helped him. And eventually data coming back, taking over lore and taking over the ship and stopping Vatic and the death of Vatic, ironically shattering against her own ship um, uh, there. So your thoughts on all of this? Bro? Yeah, let me break it up. I'm going to break it up into three yeah. different chunks. So I'm going to talk about, let's first, let's talk about uh, all of Deanna Troy stuff on the strikes, uh, sure. or the, 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 the Troy and Riker stuff. So to your point, I mean, this is just a great, conversation between two adults yes right. about the death of their son and yeah. it really doubles down like it does two things so if you are not a star trek the next generation person they're going out of their way to kind of explain to you that deanna troy has powers where she could be up in your head yeah which is important for the end of this episode with jack crusher so establishing that for if you're a new viewer if you're an old school viewer you know this but it's a good reminder and it's a great character thing like he, Riker is mad because he was feeling this grief and as yeah. sad as he was, as, as, as tragic as it is to lose a child, that tragedy is the only thing he had left. Yeah, to connect him and, to his son. And yeah. he was hurting so bad yeah. that she, as a Beta Zed, wanted to help him, but in helping him actually robbed him of his grief. Yeah. Like, that's some heavy stuff. And when he throws that at her, she responds back with, 
basically I'm a beta Z. I had to feel everyone's grief. Do you have any idea how that is? And you're like, again, it kind of echoed to me a little bit, the debate that, uh, Crusher and Picard had about her choices with Jack Crusher earlier yeah, in the season. Because again, here's there this is a this is an argument where this is not a well let's prove that he's right and she's wrong yeah. or she's right and he's wrong. This is we're dealing with a big thing and we mm. both made choices that were justified but it divided us a little bit. Yeah. And we didn't talk about it. And when she kind of has that moment where she's like as a counselor I forgot sometimes you can't skip to the end. Yeah. You can't, yeah. you, you can't, you gotta go through it. Yeah. And any of us who have dealt with death of a loved one, a really bad breakup, lost my job, like whatever it is, yeah. you know, you, you're going to get through it, but you gotta go through the shitty parts yeah. and her trying to like prevent him from going to the shitty parts again, in the middle of all of this, just a really lovely scene. Like it was just really good work. And then sometimes this thing happens where you feel like the showrunner in this case, Terry, yeah. uh, is making a commentary on choices that people made earlier in seasons. So <laughs> when, when they're like, why are we on this planet? And she's yeah. like, our house looks like it was built by some crazy ass hipsters. Sometimes <laughs> you're like, well, is this, are you saying that maybe they made the wrong choice in season one? Like, you're like, you're like, 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 if you really knew these characters, why would they ever do that? And like the characters are just speaking the truth of that. And it really felt like that way to me, but in a great moment, it was a great, com yeah. after this kind of heavy moment, you get this great, like, why the fuck do we live on this weird planet with the crazy birds? Can we go live in a city, please? Yes, we will. Yeah. Let's go do that. Then great war for veal again, like yeah. this is, and this is also really good storytelling. Like if you're a writer and you're looking at this, do we need to know how Worf and Raffi found them? Not really. Not really. Like Worf and Raffi have already proven throughout this season that they are perfectly capable. So when they show up on the ship, you're like, yeah, they're fucking badasses. I don't need to know with everything else going on. I'm happy Worf's there. Yeah. I don't, I, you didn't need to explain it to me. I'm good. So well, they, really they lovely to it last episode saying they were on a security mission right. and they were on the sport. So they figured it out. That's yeah. Like you, you yeah. knew, but that's what I'm saying is like, yeah. you knew that Worf yeah. and Raffi were trying to figure out where Riker was in Starfleet, because right. what it appeared to be is that the Federation arrested him. So right. they knew he wasn't there last episode. And this episode, they show up on the Shrike and they rescue him. You're like, yeah, you know what? Good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, to your point, the Worf, Deanna, Riker stuff, just again, comic timing at its finest. Oh like Michael Doran is playing the full straight man, just like I thought of you every day on my journey of self-discovery, like waste. And Deanna Troy is kind of like uncomfortable, but also like, oh, I'm so happy that this Worf, you seem so great, but also like, this is weird. And then just cutting to Riker being like, the fuck you're doing in front of me? Like it was just, it was just perfection. So everything with that and then catching up with Raffi, seeing Picard's body, they're taking the aromatic syndrome parts of the yeah. brain, Put that in your pocket for when we get to the Jack Crusher discussion at the end, because that's important. But holy shit, I don't know what's going on. And then they take off to get back to the ship. Meanwhile, um, Jack going up to the bridge with Vatic, with his little thermal detonator that he borrowed from Star Wars. Um, <laughs> going up there, again, I'll, I'll, I know that I don't know that I'll kill you, but I'll kill myself. He's going to sacrifice himself for everybody. Gets everybody else off the bridge. Seven stays. Again, putting in the Jack Crusher mystery box, Vatic says when Seven stays, yeah. it's fitting that you witness this. Yeah. Why? Is it because she's Borg? That's I a don't good know. Point. But That's let's just point. put that in a checkbox. <laughs> and then 
so as soon as she said that, I will say that everything she says to Jack about feeling isolated, feeling separated, those voices, the connection. I mean, I'm a big Borg guy and I'm not the only one. I mean, I think this is the most obvious guess thus far is that is Jack, did Jack somehow inherit something of Locutus of Borg that didn't get white from Picard? Cause it seemed like it was like, oh, you're like separated from the collective. Yeah. Now there's other yeah. theories that also could apply to this, but everything Vatic said here, like once we get to next week and find out what really the fuck is going on, we're going to go back and watch all this and be like, ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, he also, <laughs> his, his, also his eyes glow red. So there's also the Paul Wraith theory. So we'll just get to everything in a minute. We'll break all that down, but yeah, whatever it is with him, like all of this talking is probably really important to the Jack thing. <laughs> um, and now the data lore stuff. So yeah, this is Ooh. also from a writing standpoint. The second that Sydney is like, look, I could do this in a year. My dad could do this in a month. But the only way that we're going to do this immediately is to have some kind of like AI computer brain. Where would we possibly find something like that? Well, obviously, we all know from that point forward exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes, even when you know what's going to happen, if they do it perfectly, you yeah. don't care. And they did it perfectly here yeah. so again with data lore you go into this thing which it's fitting that they started with a sherlock reference because we're very much sort of in data's mind palace right, right. uh a la the benedict cumberbatch sherlock at this moment but you know that data is going to beat lore like we know that's what's going to happen yeah. but lore is more powerful lore is aggressive yeah. data is not allowed to take a life so they kind of stack you up with the well here's why this won't work And so then you're kind of left with, well, how is this going to work? And Data actually says it straight up right at the beginning. He's like, all of these memories define who I am. Yeah. So that's the key right there. Like as these two parts of the brain are merging and Lore thinks he's just sort of attacking, attacking, destroying, Data is just feeding him every memory. So here's the Sherlock stuff. Here's poker with my friends. Here's Tasha Yar. And like it just, and they get more and more personal as you go. And so you sort of see what's happening. You sort of get it, but Laura's overtaking him. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And it's just done in the most lovely way. And it's like a love letter to data because here's this character that always wanted to be human that never could fully it's I mean, like we said, it's the Pinocchio thing. You could yeah. never fully feel, but you kind of go through the greatest hits of you and your best friend, Jordy on a Sherlock Holmes adventure, you playing <laughs> poker with your buddies, your relationship with Tasha Yar, who you fucked and your cat who yeah. you loved dearly, even though you couldn't really technically love. So you go through all these things and you just yeah. see him sort of feeding lore these memories and it's is it schmaltzy is it my little pony friendship is magic it 100 percent is but when it works it works yeah so to yeah. your point when data takes over you're like fuck yes it's so satisfying and then you immediately go into let's just fucking be badass for five minutes on star trek so data right off the bat you realize that he's a little bit different because he is sassy in a way he has never been sassy before yes when he's like ladies and gentlemen this is your pissed off ai (laughs) and if you are a monologuing piece of protoplasm (laughs) let's shut you down like you're like oh okay so i see what's happened here he now actually fully is data but he has all of lore's emotions he has all of lore's sort of um panache and this is this new person that we've got 
And while all that's going on, Raffi gets to come in and just fucking shred a bunch of changelings yeah. in the most badass way. So, like, you are just, like, it's firing on all cylinders, all action. Jack does the force field, like, and then Vatic gets one of the best lines ever, which is fucking solids. <laughs> fucking solids, man. Fucking That's gotta solids. be a t-shirt. You got like, to make that Fucking solids. <laughs> Goes out, you know, out the airlock, full, like, Ripley and Alien style. Yeah. And I don't know that she does survive. I think like I think they went out of their way to be like, look, you might be a changeling, but when you are frozen and broken into a hundred pieces and those pieces are spread off to different points in the galaxy, maybe you can put yourself back together, but it ain't gonna be anytime soon. I don't think we're doing it in the next two episodes. No, I don't think so either. No. But um, but yeah, so just like again, and it, it's one of those things where everybody's getting their moment. You know, yeah. I mean, I guess arguably like crusher takes a back seat a little bit here but like you know data's kicking ass jordy's the one that like did the partition like jack's having his sacrifice moment wharf is over here saving everybody raffy's kicking ass and then you get this great raffy and wharf moment where he's like critiquing her and she's like fucking bullshit why are you all up in my shit and riker's just like you are very scary so just like all of this you know you get to this this could have been the end of the episode right and you would have been like all right they say they did it they were good, but then we get to dive into the rest of it and holy shit, that's satisfying. But yeah, just so like with each of these things, like with the Deanna Riker stuff and the data stuff and Jack and Vatic stuff, it's just like, there's just so much meat in yeah. all of these scenes that you could just talk about them for hours. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we don't have hours, but yes, we could, if we wanted to, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just, I, I love just the moments you get to have these conversations with these characters, the lived in moments, the older, I mean, even data makes that comment when he's, you know, kind of cracking his neck and this yeah. is different, all of which we'll get to. But like all of that there is is a part of it. It's they're all dealing with getting older and what comes with getting older, which is when you're young and full and piss and vinegar, like everything's an adventure and you're willing to sacrifice your life. When you're older, there are stakes. There's families, there's kids, there's wives, there's husbands, there's situations, there's lost connections with friends, there's surprises like a son you didn't know about coming up. You know, it's like Kirk, tell me a son all these kind of things you see them all pop up. And so how do you navigate? How do you, the loss of friends, the multiple loss of friends as, as data has died multiple times, all of that is roaming through all of this. And how do you navigate this? How do you put it together? And I love that there's just such real, for lack of a better term, because I know we're dealing with multiple species from different planets, but there's a humanity here. That's so great to experience and walk through. And that's always at the core foundation of Star Trek is the humanity. And it's great to see it playing out the way it is here. And I love the course that we go on and Jack too. Jack is making these efforts just like data. When data comes back online, he is a great, like you said, he's aggressive. He's playful. He's funny. He's taking control. Captain, I know what needs to be done. Let me get on it. You know, you don't need to tell me I'm on it. I love that. It's a different day. It's a day. It's exciting to see. It's a new variation and it works. We haven't seen this version of data quite. And so it's great to see that as a new thing. We haven't seen this version of Riker. It's great to see that. We haven't seen this version of Deanna. It's a version of Picard, Crusher. Everybody's a different version, yet it fits within what they'd already established in, in, the, in the previous seasons of Next Generation. So it's so fun to see it course uh, throughout this thing. Yeah, you're right. And the death of Vatic makes sense within the Star Trek Star Trek theme, having uh, her go out the, <laughs> you know, go out there and then get shattered. Okay. I mean, she's shattered around the hot engine. So I'm just going to say, you never know. I'm just going to throw it out there. You never know. I don't think she's coming back in any shape or form, but maybe down the road we might see her again, but. I, I don't know. I mean, look, down the road, anything's possible in a sci-fi series. But I think that uh, I, I think that she served her purpose. Yeah, yeah. She did a great job. And with two episodes left, I think we're sort of clearing the deck for 
Gooface, aka yeah. whoever the big bad is. Who's the big bad? Yeah, but but the um, I do want to say one last thing with the lore and data thing. That is awesome, right? What do they? What's the old story about the two wolves, love and hate, which is going to win? You know, and and that's the theme of Star Wars. Love must conquer hate. So seeing how lore, because he's emotional, because he comes from a place of anger, a place of feeling like he didn't, he feeling like I didn't get what I deserved, or you got to live this great life, the jealousy. It consumes him. It makes him make a mistake. And Data, who, of course, is the calmer one, is more willing to accept what the lore is saying. He realizes, I've got to take him out. I, I don't want to do it. I love him. He's my brother. He'll always be with me. But I need to take him out. And he does. Well, I don't and even think it's, it. I don't even think it's that. Yeah. I don't even think it's that. Because he, Data, okay. understand, Data understands what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. He doesn't take lore out. He doesn't take. He doesn't destroy lore any more than lore destroys data. No, they, I mean in they, control of the body. He takes lore right. out of control of the body. He is now in control, but he has combined all four into one, as we humans right. do, right? Right. The battle yeah. between love and hate, always. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, let's throw in some uh, some quick uh, Easter eggs before we move on to the rest of the episode here. Uh, the dialogue that we hear him talking about is from the episode "Elementary Dear Data," which is, of course, what Michael was referencing. With him and Jordy going on that adventure, we also uh, we also see that uh, in uh, in the episode with Moriarty, the bounty. By the way, I, I watched the, randomly on Pluto TV. The episode was on the other day. Just I was just flipping uh, streaming apps because that's how I do now. I was flipping streaming apps, and the episode, the second episode with Moriarty, with Dwight Schultz being a part of it, was on, which was great. Shipping a bottle, I think is what it's called. Um, anyway, it, then we get the TNG era tricorder which was pretty awesome to see here. The deck of playing cards, which is from cause and effect, best of both worlds and all good things. The hologram of Tasha Yar, Denise Crosby from the episode Measure of a Man. Uh, And also they reference Skin of Evil and The Naked Now, which is the moment that Tasha discovered that Data was uh, fully functional, as Mike uh, mentioned earlier. They fucking, y'all. Uh, spot then data's cat which was in data's day and was last seen in nemesis so that's the last time so nice to get a little bit of a connection there so throwing that out there for you all uh as well um all right let's move on to the rest of the episode here before we gotta end things uh for this particular review uh you mentioned already michael raffi and Worf have an argument about her fighting style but then deanna's there with after Riker makes the comment about you two are some sick ass people deanna all of a sudden stumbles and senses there's an all-consuming darkness on the ship picard beverly and jordy have a nice reunion and he talks about uh, uh, uh data to, with data and he data talks about experiencing old age this is something new i was one experience experience death and that version of me experienced death but this is something new and even cracks his neck a little bit to talk about old age and as betty davis once said getting old ain't for the weak uh later data and jordy talk about him using contractions and humor and you can tell that there's a real uh, connection here. LeVar Burton does a wonderful job conveying his, the sense of friendship and love that he has for Data here through LaForge, which is so great. Uh, and then Data talks about being all four personalities at once. He feels them, and they have a touching convo, as I said, about friendship. They walk into the conference room, and Deanna is so happy to see Data. Of course, the history of Deanna and Data there. Picard and Data talk about his past, and Data who wanted to experience death, the Data that wanted to experience death in the first season, and he says that that Data is sleeping peacefully. This Data is ready to move on and wants to be there. I can't think of anywhere else in the galaxy he'd rather be than there. And then the TNG crew sits around that table for the first time in many, many years. A nice reunion. Each one gets their moment to talk about what they need to do here with the Changeling plot, and Jack's role in it. Deanna says... He has a uh, darkness inside of him, Jack does, a voice that that is ancient and weak, that is not his own, 
and she says it's time for him to meet uh, Jack and, and uh, looks at Beverly and Beverly nods her head. And they have a nice exchange a few seconds ago as well, where she sensed Beverly all the time in the tough days and in the good days as well. So that was really sweet between two of the, those two actresses. Uh, so she's going to meet him. So we go to this Deanna and Jack scene. Uh, they have a little bit of an intro back and forth between the two, but then Deanna puts out her hands. Uh, he puts his hands in her, in her hands and he talks and she guides him to talk about the red door and his fear of it and the voices and she says it's time to open it. He says he's too afraid to open it, uh, and he can't do it. And they both suddenly appear in front of the door, uh, and uh, she is with him, and he reaches for the doorknob, and we go to black. So, uh, Michael, that's the last part of the episode. Thoughts on what? Thoughts on seeing them all back together, Data's conversation about getting old, and what happens here at the end with uh, Deanna and Jack? Yeah, look, Data and Jordy. I mean, yeah. it was just lovely. I mean, him using the contractions, kind of like just this whole like data is now this what he's always wanted, but that they're still best friends. It really reminded me of, uh, and I'm I'm pretty sure this was the reference they were going for, but if not, uh, still it still hit me this way. Yeah. You know, when he says to Data, "How do you feel?" It reminded me of the beginning of Voyage Home mm. when Spock is relearning everything yeah. and he's answering all the questions, and then the last question is, "How do you feel?" And he doesn't know how to answer it until the yeah. end of the movie. Yeah. Like he's just like he's that one. That's the one that stumps him. And so when Jordy says to Data, "How do you feel?" and Data's answer is just like, "I feel." In and he, the word "feel" is just kind of choked with emotions that he yeah. finally just feels. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not it's not a one to one. Like Spock was sort of relearning some stuff, and Data has just been flooded with this stuff. But as the two characters that were always sort of the observing humanity in their yeah. individual star treks like i just felt like that was a lovely homage back to that moment um and then sort of data kind of giving jordy that look no matter what no matter how many different consciousnesses consciousnesses are in my body yeah you my bestie bro great moment <laughs> um yeah like look i said like i said yeah. at the beginning of the review like seeing all of them around a table is great yeah, seeing them all around a table when it's fully earned and we took eight episodes to get there is even better. A hundred percent. And they one thousand percent earned this moment. Yeah. And built to this moment in a way that was way more impactful than I ever could have hoped that it would have been. Yeah. Um. And so then, just all of them having this like, I was thinking of you. It's been so long. I can't believe that we haven't. It's been, you know. It. And then for Worf to just be like, I killed a bunch of people and wanted to send you guys their heads. That's passive aggressive. Like it was just everything was perfect. Yeah. And then here's this is where I think they did a really nice job. You know, everybody as 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 Johnny kind of remarked on earlier, a lot of people have been complaining about the lack of Deanna Troy. Yeah. And Terry Metalis has kind of come out and a lot of a lot of people on the cast and crew have come out and kind of been like, look, Marina Sirtis is busy lady. She's yeah. got a life and not everybody wants to be in 10 episodes of a show just because you love that character and you want to see them. And exactly. they really were working with Marina Sirtis's schedule. So you kind of know from Twitter and just like all of the commentary around it, like Marina Sirtis did had she wanted to be in more of it, maybe she would have been. But what I will say is holy shit did they use her right yes to save her we've got this whole thing about jack crusher and all season long and like this is the big one that you're like yeah. this is where they have to stick the landing because they have been dragging this out for just episodes and episodes and episodes so we're, we're right on the cusp of finding this thing out and Deanna troy's the only one that can just go let's just 
all right, let's just go in there and see what the fuck is going on. Like nobody yeah, else can do this. Four episodes ago, if she like was if the, on yeah. the ship. Yeah. So saving her till now yeah. and having this big moment where she's like, well, I guess it's time for me to meet your son. It's what I've been saying about this whole season that we would have been happy to see any of these characters show up. Yeah, but the right. fact that all of them have shown up and just even before we get to the big two final two episodes hmm. have had their moments to shine. Beverly Crusher, like dissecting changelings, figuring shit out. Like Riker, captaining the Titan again. Worf, undercover for Rolera. And Jordy, like, he, got, like he's, he's the guy you got to go to who's going to be like, all right, I'll figure out how to get this cloaking device. Like every single one of them is at this moment. And now here is Deanna Troy's moment in like almost our penultimate episode to be like, all right, the big mystery is what the fuck is Jack? Let's go in. Um, then both of them are doing really great. I think Jack Crusher kind of being like, I love the whole like, well, you don't kind of develop a disarming, charming personality to let people in. Like that's that's deflection to keep people away. And Herb kind of being like, look, as a therapist, usually I just wait for you to get there, but we've only got <laughs> we, two, we got we got two episodes left, buddy. So let's dive in. Um, yeah. So you dive in, you see the red door, you go up to the red door, you open the red door, and so that leaves us with. What the fuck is Jack Crusher? Yeah. So, Johnny, what do you think is going on with Jack Crusher? <laughs> the Red Door thing is really interesting. And by the way, I want to give a, a lot of love to um, to uh, Ryan Britt, who does these great uh, um, Den of Geek Easter eggs uh, articles every, I think every um, uh, Friday or every Saturday um, after the show has aired. And it's great to read through them and remind myself of all this stuff and, and catch it. And he says this is very similar to 12 Monkeys. The series that Terry Metalis also show run that there was a red forest at the end of that. That so this may be a little reminiscent of that. So what are we going to lead to? I don't know what's behind that red door. Is it the Borg Queen? A version of the Borg Queen? Is it something else? Because I know Mike Vogel when he saw all this stuff uh, and uh, Vatic saying I need you to stay here. Michael was oh, oh. here. I come. Oh, here I come. Oh, what he was thinking. So that, yeah, that was me. Right that was it. me. He was feeling that's got to be that. But, like, I don't know. I really don't know. And I want to keep open-minded about it. Certainly the Borg references have been there. But he swerved with the Red Forest in 12 Monkeys. So Terry may be setting us up for a little swerve here with the Red Door. What is the Red Door supposed to represent? Deanna seems much more braver to walk through it than afraid of it or trepidatious about it. And that leads me to think that Jack has been hiding something from himself that he's not ready to confront that may not necessarily be negative. You know, sometimes we are afraid to embrace what's that great, uh, great quote. I think it's Mandela. Or We're afraid to embrace how powerful we can be, how much of a light we can be in the world because it overwhelms us. And so maybe Jack is, there is a next level he can go to, but it means he'll have to leave his mom. He'll have to embrace a different way of existence. He'll have to do other things. Is he ready to do that? So it may be not quite as evil as we think, but what is this ancient voice? And I know Deanna said she sensed a darkness. A darkness doesn't necessarily have to imply evil. So I'm keeping my mind open that we're going in a number of different directions. What well, do you think is behind the I don't know. So I think like I think the theory that he's a changeling is probably not it. He's connected to them, but probably not it. You're right. Maybe not, she was Vatic knew she... everything he could do. So yeah, but I mean, she might have known that from whoever she's working for, who we've already established is not a changeling. Right. So the changelings were definitely working, uh, you know, doing what they were doing. But so, like, I don't think that he's all of a sudden going to become a changeling. 
No, I don't um, think so. Now, yeah. I know that, like, Vatic said something in the last episode to Beverly Crusher of, like, you know, maybe he's not really yours or something, right. which people are like, oh, he's a changeling. But I don't know how you go through your entire life not knowing that you're a giant, gloppy bucket of ooze. Right. So I don't he know that says. that's it. He didn't change shape. He's never changed. Yeah, he's shape never changed shape. He's never done that. Now, a lot of people are talking about the Paw Wraiths, yes. which is from Deep Space Nine, which were sort of these, like, dark versions of Bajoran prophets that would that would possess people. And when they were possessed, their eyes would glow red and they died in a fiery pit. And we've seen like flashes of fire behind that red door. So there's a lot of things that kind of line up and the, the Dominion War, the changelings, like we've had a ton of D DS9 references. Right, right. I don't know quite what that would have to do with Picard or his aromatic syndrome. So like, like if it is the paw race, there's like a well, how did we get here? Like, what does this yeah. have to do with Picard and his son? So I think there's a lot of like, visually, there's definitely a lot of like, well, this is what this could be, right. but I don't quite know how it connects. And then of course there's the Borg stuff, which is Picard was Locutus of Borg. Yeah. Once he was no longer Locutus of Borg, Starfleet said, we got all traces of the Borg out of you. Right. But did they, did they get every little bit of nano bits of Borg out of there? Like, did some of it attach to the parts of his brain that were had the aromatic syndrome? Like, right. so is there that? And so now is is Jack part? Like, is there a level of he can sort of he's the organic version of a Borg seeking his collective? Right, right. But that that also seems like a bit of a stretch. So I don't really know what it is and okay. why like it, it definitely has to do with the stop parts banging of your desk stop banging your desk <laughs> so get very i'm very intense it's very know, intense over here so i don't really know what it is but like this and but like i said before <laughs> like the the thing about a mystery box is the longer you keep that box closed the better the mystery has to be yeah you're so right. they've kept it closed yeah. till episode nine of a 10 episode season yeah. um they opened it at the end of this episode but we're not going in until the beginning of next week and so this is the big one like they yeah. have not let us wrong yet like it, they have been firing on all cylinders they've gotten everything right yeah. so my gut tells me they've got a pretty good sense of what this mystery is and they're gonna they're gonna nail this landing but yeah. i am very curious to see what it ends up being i don't think what's behind the red door is evil and working in cahoots with glob face because that voice is female the glob face is male and i think that may be jack's actual mom behind the door because she keeps saying save me save me what does that mean and if we're going with bajoran was she taken by one of those priests or whatever they're called and so that's the villain but she has been taken and her baby was taken from her and placed with beverly in some way and mm -hmm. somehow that's how he's in the situation. So Vatic is right that it's not Beverly's, but somehow we have to understand how Beverly could have thought it was hers and, and connected to Picard. Is it because he had this aromatic syndrome or whatever? I don't know. So there's a mystery here, but I don't think what's behind the red door is connected in an evil way to what we've been seeing coming out of Vatic's hand. Well, I mean, and I think, look, there, Star Trek has a history of, using the Borg as an example, whether it's like the episode with Hugh, which was mm. the first Borg that sort of oh, became an individual, yeah. or even like Seven of Nine herself. Like, yeah. I think that whether Jack is connected to the Paw Wraith or connected to the Borg or connected, like he could be connected to an evil darkness the way that Deanna Troy says, and still make the choice to right. not be that. Yes. Like, I think it's, this is gonna be come down to like, well, what does Jack choose? Right. Uh, and who does he wanna be? So yeah. that's gonna be, uh, Interesting.
hundred percent. Agreed, hundred percent. All right, there we go. That's our uh, review of this latest episode of Picard. As Michael said, two episodes left on this one. Uh, but I want to give love to the director. I thought Deborah Campmeyer did a fantastic job directing this episode, especially the scene with Jack and Beverly. The way she framed Marina Sirtis with almost like a Halo esque type thing behind her and a close up, I thought was genius. Really well done here. The stuff with the uh, with the, uh, the force field. As Vatic is shot out of there, I thought was really well done. So great direction overall by her. And Matt Okamura wrote this one. And as Michael and I have been talking about these great scenes, it's because the back and forth in the scripts are the scripts are so well written. The script for this particular episode is so well written. We were able to really enjoy these scenes because of the performances. But it was, of course, bolstered by the fantastic words there from the writer, Matt Okamura. So, all right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, Michael, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you would like to follow us, you can do so on Twitter at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you would like to follow John, you can do it at the Roca Says. If you would like to follow me, you can do it at MKTune. And if you enjoyed this review, you should check out all of our other reviews in our weekly show that covers all the geek news. And to help us continue doing that, you can hit that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, check out all the amazing content he's got there, leave your comments below, let us know what you thought of this episode. Most importantly, what do you think is going on with Jack Crusher? How are you feeling about everything? Are you getting all the next generation love? Where do you think these next two episodes are going to land? Let us know below. If you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings and more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode of Picard here from the Geek Buddies! Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.